to the Humanity Church Podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. Jesus, we thank you that you are present here with us. May you just allow our souls to pause and to recognize the beauty and the... Um, the mystery and the wonder of that, that you, the creator of the universe, are are here, present with us right now in this space. May nothing else matter besides that right now. And Jesus, we thank you that, that you come and you infuse our hearts and our minds and our spirits and our bodies with your life giving presence, and that in that we experience the fullness of life here and now, right in this moment. So I pray that today you would speak to us, that you would move in us and around us and through us, and that we would move from this place transformed as a result of being together. So we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One of the things that I love to, to, to examine, being a communicator, is, is how language is formed, how we get certain phrases, how we get certain words, and even how certain words communicate neurologically to us and with us when they're engaged. Most of our language, most of the phrases that we used are born out of a necessity. Either we don't know how to communicate what's going on, and so we invent a word or a phrase, or things shift, and then we continue on using the old phrase that we have. Now, the 10 freeway that we drive on every single day starts at the West Coast, and it goes all the way to the East Coast. And when we're giving directions to someone here in California, you'll say something like take the 10 to the 57 down to the 22 and they'll understand what you're saying but if you go to Texas and you tell someone get on the 10 they're going to look at you funny and they're going to say what do you mean the 10 and you go you know the 10 freeway that's like right over there they're going to know what is the 10 because everywhere else outside of California the 10 is known as I-10 There is no such thing as a the before a freeway. This is very unique to California because California had highways before the rest of the U.S. had highways, and they were labeled by cities. And so we had the Pasadena Freeway, and we had the Pomona Freeway, and we had the San Dimas Freeway. And then once freeways started expanding, we added numbers to them, and we as Californians kept the the. And so rather than just saying 10, we say the 10 because it was the Pomona Freeway, the Los Angeles Freeway. And so when you go outside of this, people do not understand the language that we have developed over our history alongside of this. And today we're going to talk about some language that was developed and I would say is lost, but is so critical to understanding this movement of Jesus See, when Jesus stepped into human history, he completely disrupted the the human system. He completely disrupted the way that we engage with one another, with ourselves, with God. I mean, yes, he steps into human history and he starts doing these miraculous experiences. He heals people. He takes people who were mentally ill and who were possessed by the demonic and he frees them. He, he takes people who were literally dead and revives them. 
He, he, he engages people who have been suffering for years and he, he brings them back to life. And so that certainly interrupts how we see ourselves and God around us. But then he gives this teaching, which was equally disruptive. I mean, for the first time, he's telling people, love your enemies, and for us, that's common language, but back then it was unheard of. When he says, forgive your neighbor over and over and over again. When he says, be generous, even when it looks like you don't have a lot, be generous with the little that you have. These were mind-blowing concepts that disrupted the human spirit and still continue to disrupt the human spirit here and now. And then he starts defying religious traditions. He goes in the face of the government. He claims that he was the son of God. And people that were watching this and following this and engaging this new way of being human had no idea how to communicate what was taking place. Not only what they were observing, but what they were seeing and experiencing. And what I love about Jesus is that he gives new language to this experience that he's bringing to earth from heaven. And in John 14, starting in verse one, he's having this conversation with his followers. And he says, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. The way, Jesus, the way to the father. Thomas said to him, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you know my Father as well. From now on, you will know him and have seen him. See, this is actually a very audacious statement for Jesus to make about himself, and it is really loaded even today when he says, I am the way. Now, I don't know about you when I read this, but it sounds a little bit like someone saying, it's my way or the highway. You know those people in your life? You may be one of those people who are just stubborn. I'm one of those people, just so you know. And so when you get locked and loaded, it's like, nope, this is the way we're doing it. There is no other way. Any other way is stupid, not strategic, or it's going to lose a lot of money. So let's just not do it. That's what it sounds like when Jesus says, I am the way. He looks like a, like a power-hungry dictator or some jealous boyfriend in this moment, right? I'm the way, no one else, right? here in this space. And he sounds like he's saying, of all the ways that there are, mine is the only way that you should follow. It's the best. And oh, of course, the human spirit naturally resists it when someone tells us the way. Have you noticed that? That when someone tells you what you're supposed to do, what is your natural reaction? Not do it, right? <laughs> I mean, you see this in kids from the very beginning. When we, when we train parents, one of the things we talk about is, hey, it's not super helpful to tell your kids what to do unless you absolutely have to because the second you tell your kids what they have to do, what do they do? The opposite. Or suddenly they, they grow weights on their legs and they move very slowly. <laughs> or they have a million excuses as to why they shouldn't do that because we have this pushback when someone attempts to exert control on us. There is something in us that resists constraint and what feels like a control grab. We do not like someone telling us what to do. We would much rather have 31 flavors than three because there is something in us that says, I want to choose. And so when you read this statement of Jesus, it's, I am the way, it sounds like a limitation. It sounds like a power grab. It sounds like control and manipulation in this moment. But what if Jesus' statement wasn't actually about limitation and control? What if that was not his intention about this? What if Jesus was actually giving us something far more important in this moment when he says, I am the way? See, earlier 
he, he's talking to his disciples in John 10, 7 through 10, and he says this, therefore Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, lots of metaphors here, right? First, he's the way, the truth, the life. Now he's a gate, all right? And so stay with the metaphor here. Because now Jesus is saying, I am the gate, and I am the way into the Father, and once you connect to me, you'll find life. Everything else will lead you towards death. Uh, About three weeks ago, uh, I uh, was putting out Christmas lights and getting ready for the holiday season, and we have this side gate on the side of our house in our front yard. And I say gate loosely because it's not actually a gate. At one point, I'm assuming it was a gate, but it no longer operates as a gate. It's a great wall. And I imagine that it's been there for a couple decades. But at this point, the, the hinges have been sagged, the post is crooked, and it is so heavy, whoever built it, there's no possible way to open this gate. And I've tried many times. I've t- I, and literally, the only way to open the gate is to take off the hinges, to remove the entire gate, and to put it back on. And that's what I've had to do several times. And so any time that I need to get electricity out to the front yard... It's through that area. I have to like finagle it through the holes in the gate in order to get out from there. And so I had this brilliant idea the other day, I could replace the gate. And so I go out to Home Depot and I get a build a gate kit and I build a gate. I felt very accomplished in that moment. And here's the thing, it was impossible to get through to that side of the house before that moment. It was useless. It was a wall in that space. But the second I put a gate on it, it turned a wall into a pathway. Now there's a way to actually access this side of the house. And now Marla and I are looking at this side of the house going, oh, look at all this land that we own. Before this was not accessible. And now we're like, we could put like patio furniture back here. This could be a nice little veranda. We could have coffee out here. And we're start dreaming because now there's access into this side of the yard here that we could get into. Now here's the thing. I could continue to claw at the wall attempting to get into the backyard unscrewing the hinges, moving the wall when I needed you, putting it back in, going through all that work, or I could use the gate. (laughs) See, when Jesus says, I am the gate, what he's not saying is that of all the gates available, he's the best gate. What he's saying is that there is no other gate, that there are just walls. And you can continue to claw at the walls You can continue to fight your way through. You continue to to keep engaging in the wall or you could simply enter in through the gate that has made available to you. See, when you walk the way that is available to you, it will enter you into this brand new space of life that you did not know was possible before this moment. And the way, the gate, the truth, the life, it isn't to control or manipulate you. He's not attempting to, to... Grab a hold of your life and attempt to tell you what you have to do. This is the way that you would find God, that you would find life, that you would find salvation, that your life would be expanded into a space that you didn't even know was available to you before you engaged the way, the gate, the path here in this moment. See, if Jesus was interested in controlling you and manipulating with you, he's going about it the wrong way. See, when he says, I am the way, his only interest is that you would actually have access to the way to life so that you would enter in and that your life would expand in the middle of that and that you 
at the end of the day, would be fully connected to God. And he, he says, look, anything else will eventually lead to death. Anything else will eventually move you towards a space of destruction and despair and hopelessness because you can beat and claw at the walls of life all you want, or you can enter into the gate that is available to you here. Now, when, when Thomas asks, hey, we actually don't know where you're going, right? We don't know the way. I imagine, like most of us, Thomas is looking for some type of a prescription for life. I find that that is a common place that we go to. Like, like here, Thomas is like, Jesus is saying, I'm going to this place. I'm preparing a space for you. And he's like, you'll know the way. And Thomas is like, we don't know the way. So could you give us like a map? Are we supposed to like click our heels three times? Are we supposed to light a couple candles, sing Kumbaya? What is the way? Because it seems like this is really important to know the way to the Father and you're just saying you'll know the way. We don't know the way. Now here's the ironic thing is that we do not like people telling us what to do until we don't know what to do. And then we're like, give me a prescription. Give, give me the path, give me the roadmap, tell me exactly what thing needs to happen so I can get there. When we find ourselves in a space where like, this is too complicated, I don't know if I'm willing to press through this, I don't know if I have what it takes, I don't know if, if I'm clear about what's happening, and we, we, we just say, would you please just tell us what I need to do in this moment? And in fact, talking about parenting, this is the one other thing that we talk to parents about is that when kids come to parents saying, I need you to tell me what to do, we hand it back to them and say, what would you like to do about it? See, because the second we ask for a prescription and someone gives us the prescription and the prescription doesn't work, guess what? We can blame them. It's your fault. The prescription didn't work. I lit the candles, I clicked my heels, I spin around three times, I did all the things, I followed the rules, and I, my life's still falling apart. I did all the things and I still find myself struggling with this. So I imagine that Jesus' answers when he just says, I am the way, was frustrating to so many. This is essentially saying, Jesus saying, like, I'm leaving to this amazing destination to prepare this place for you. And Thomas is saying, how do we get there? And he's like, I'm the way. This is why, have you ever been like driving with someone and you get in the car and you're following them and they just say, just follow me. I'm like, no, not in California, friend, Right? <laughs> I'm not, no, we're not doing that. Give me the address. I will look that up on Google Maps. We're, we're going to waze this thing, right? And I'm going to lose you in the process, but you go there and I will follow you. As long as I have the map, I am good because the second you say I am going to follow you, you're the way, now I'm dependent on you. And if I lose you or if I can't find you, now I no longer have the way in the middle of this. And this riddle may seem maddening when Jesus just says, I'm the way, but in this answer, Jesus is actually informing us of why he came and how he intends for us to relate to him and to life. See, because he does not give a series of actions to take. He doesn't tell Thomas, oh, if you do this and then this and then this, life will turn out and you will find God. He doesn't give him rules that he needs to follow. If you follow the rules and if you're a good person, then you'll find yourself here. He doesn't give an established religious system that if you engage in it the same way every time, life will turn out in some way, shape, or form. Not only does Jesus say, I am the way, but he says, I am the way. It is me the path, the passage, the way, the gate. See, because Jesus was not interested in handing Thomas a roadmap and saying, have fun. The same way he is not interested in you showing up here and giving you a download and say, have fun, go at it. Attempt to find God. 
What he is saying is, I am not interested in giving you a doctrine. I am standing right in front of you. And if you would connect to me, you would know I am the way. Everything that you need is found right here, but you have to stay connected. That that you have to follow. That, That it is absolutely requirement that you stay in relational connection with me if you are intending to find life and if you would be willing to trust me as the way you will find God and you will find life in the process and what he says is look I am not trying to control you I am just letting you know no one else has come for you there is no other gate There is no other secret passage that I'm hiding from you. That there is no other way that I am attempting to keep you from. So when you come to me, I'm actually creating access to life for you. I am not trying to hold you back from it. And so this movement that started with the way has become known as Christianity, but originally it was called the way. In fact, when people were like, what are those people following? They would say, oh, they're following the way. And the people who followed the way were known as people of the way. See, long before the Mandalorian, there was Jesus, right? (laughs) And so, so long before... Any Mandalorian said, this is the way. Jesus was like, no, 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 hold on. I am the original Mandalorian, right? (laughs) But here's the thing. I, I think we've actually lost quite a bit in our tradition in this exchange from being people of the way to becoming known as Christians. There's a lot that gets lost in the transition between the two. Because Jesus calls himself the way versus getting a set of rules or dogma or religion to follow. And so it would naturally imply that there was a path to tread, that there was a way of life to engage into. See, Jesus both taught powerful teachings, but more importantly, he lived a life, he forged this path that every single place he went to, every single person he connected with, every single conversation that he had, he infused hope into every environment, person, heart, conversation that he engaged in. It wasn't just, here's a nice idea of how to connect to God, or here's a, here's a nice way of relating to life. He said, let me just show you what it looks like when you live in this way, and it will transform everything around you. See, Christianity has been boiled down to knowing the right thing and being a good person. And that is very different from being people of the way. Because a way implies a way of being a, a, a new environment of living. It involves this new way of being human everywhere we go. And, and this is where I think we miss it at times. Because Jesus is far more interested in the question, are you following the way, than he is you answering the question, do you know the correct answer? And we oftentimes get those mixed up For so many of us, we're looking for the right thing to do, to say. And Jesus is just saying, if you would just follow the way, me, you will find everything that you're looking for. I married into an amazing Italian family. Like, like, uh, like legit Italian, like grandmother from Sicily Italian, you know? (laughs) 
<laughs> and there's lots of benefits from that. Little pitfalls, but lots of benefits. <laughs> and, and the benefits of that, of course, is the cuisine. See, because me, spaghetti meant uh, a can of ragu and some hard pasta from the store. I didn't actually know you could make pasta from hand and then you could actually make sauce from scratch until I, it was introduced to Marla's family. And so as Marla and I grew in our relationship together and our families grew together, I took on the ways of the Italians. <laughs> and there's a family tradition that the, the Trost family has, and that is that every Christmas and on holidays, they make homemade ravioli. And I, when I say ravioli, I'm not talking about like that spinach and cheese junk that you get at Costco. <laughs> I'm talking about ravioli. And I remember the very first time I came in and I was just dating Marla at the time and I was invited into the ravioli making session and it was like being brought into the Holy of Holies. <laughs> and, and I was not allowed to do anything at that point other than take the filling from the ravioli, put it in the ravioli and cover it up and say, is that okay, right? <laughs> You good? You good, mom, aunt, everyone okay with my, this ravioli that I just made here? And as the years progressed, and as I took on more of the ways of the Italians, my, my roles got bigger and bigger and bigger. And so soon it found myself making the filling. And then I will never forget the day when Marla's mom said, Nathan, you're going to make the dough. And I, I don't think I've ever been more nervous in my entire life. I mean, I, I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't, I, I don't think this is a good idea. I think this is a mistake. And, uh, and, and they're like, no, you got it. And now, of course, they watched over me like a hawk. But I made the dough the first time. And I remember that first time. And, and I remember them looking at me going, it's good. <sighs> right? <sighs> All right, I, I've got the way. And, and then a few more years of that progressed. Now, now, Marla's family came out for Christmas this year, and we had a ravioli evening. And I remember coming into the kitchen saying, hey, Gladys, my mother-in-law, when are you making the dough? And she goes, oh, I thought you were making that. And I was like, like, like me by myself? <laughs> yeah, just make it. And, and I was like, oh, like, not you watching over me make it, but like make it. And she goes, Nathan, I'm going to go watch TV. Make the dough. <laughs> and this is when I know, folks, that I have graduated to become a full-fledged <laughs> Italian. Because not only did I make the dough, but as we were eating, she looked at me and said, this dough is really good. See, because I had taken on the ways of the Italians. It was a slow learning process over many years, but, but I followed the way. <laughs> And I found myself now confident in my abilities to practice the way and engage in this. And while I have no Italian blood within me, according to 23andMe, I am now an official Italian. Why? Because when you love someone, you take on their ways. You begin to take on their practices, that their ways become your ways. And as you continue down the process, eventually you cannot tell the difference between you and them. You cannot find the line between where your soul and their soul begins and ends. There's a, there's a mingling of the two in there. And as you find your life in Jesus, as you, as you begin to fall in love with him, 
and you begin to open your heart to trusting him and engaging in him, he invites you into this new way of being human, of being redeemed and chosen by the way himself. And in that process, you will start to become like him. And his ways will become your ways. And you will not know the difference between where his spirit begins and where your spirit ends because they are so interconnected with one another. And you will suddenly find yourself just a person of the way in the middle of this. That you will find yourself loving unconditionally in ways that you would have never imagined before. You will find yourself with a capacity to forgive like you have never forgiven before. You will find yourself obeying things that you thought were insane before you were introduced to the way. Because all of the action is a function of love, not a roadmap to get to a destination. See, there's a difference between following rules and following the way. Because God is not interested in your performance. He's interested in your love. And as you love, his ways will become your ways. Oh, and by the way, the the annoying part about this is that this way can only be done in the context of community. If you, if you are committed to being a person of the way, this is not something that you get to go away to a mountaintop or to go back into your living room or to have your secret space where you only connect to God alone by yourself. See, it would make sense that a God who is so relational, who does not intend to hand us a script or to hand us a religion or to hand us a set of rules and say, go and have at it, that it would make sense that when he says, follow me, he's inviting us into a relationship. It would make sense that a relationship with other people would also be included in the way. Because strangely, most of the ways of Jesus are ways to connect to one another, His ways are not just about how do I connect vertically with a God who is higher than myself, but his ways are how do I relate to every single image bearer of God that I come in contact with every single day. And so this is not just about how do I connect to God up there, it's how do I connect to God that exists in every single person around me and how do I cultivate that type of community. And so shameless plug here, That if you are entering 2023 and not connected to a humanity group, a place where you can be known and others can know you, where you are intimately tied to people practicing the way together on a continual committed basis, you will find yourself constantly wondering, what is the extra life that I know is available What is this thing that I know is just out of reach that I cannot connect to because you have yet to connect yourself to the community of the way? See, we're not called persons of the way. We are called people of the way in community, connected with one another. And as as people of the way, we we apprentice the way of Jesus. We, We are students, learners, disciples of this way. And, and as I turned 40 today, I, I've looked, looked back, you know, I feel like I'm like halfway done with life, maybe like, you know, five-eighths, four-eighths, three-eighths maybe if I keep myself healthy, we'll see. But as I have practiced the way for many years and apprenticed the ways, I can tell you that this way of being, of connecting to the way and finding yourself transformed by him and then engaging in other people in the way. 
that it has been the most exhilarating, frustrating, (laughs) anger-inducing, joy-filled, hope-filled, miraculous existence that I could ever imagine. And in this, while Jesus is saying, I am the way and the life to God, there are lots of other ways to that destination. See, Proverbs 21.2 says, a person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. See, I'm going to ask you to consider that the biggest challenging to follow the way of Jesus will not actually be external. It's not going to be anything outside of you that's going to tempt you, although there will be certain things there. It's not going to be anything outside of your own thinking and your own heart that will keep you from fully engaging the way in this moment. See, the fight will be against believing that your way is the right way. The fight will be against your mind and your heart telling you, no, follow your own way. And there's so many things in our culture that are just continually feeding us this message. Believe in your heart. Follow your dreams. And all those, there's nothing wrong with them. But what Jesus is saying, those are great. And if you would just follow the way, I will give you all of those things. I'm not interested in removing any of that from you, but here's the thing. You have to follow the way first. Following your heart, your intuition, what feels good may, may look like it is clearly the right path. But what Jesus' voice will continually do is gently remind you, ah, this is the way over here. And it's not, again, an invitation to control you. It's an invitation to life, to connection to the Father. That when we are like, no, I am not supposed to forgive that person. They, you don't know what they've done. He'll just be like, ah, I've forgiven you for a lot. So let's exercise some forgiveness. But that person's so hard to love, I know. So are you sometimes. <laughs> so so let's, let's love. Let's love fully. Let's go again. But that looks so risky, and you don't know how busy I am, and you don't know how important I am. I know all of those things. And let's have the courage to keep the faith and to run the race and to speak hope. And it will be a challenge because believe it or not, his ways are I, in the face of culture, are in our own thoughts. You, you will sometimes look like you are out of your mind when you are following his ways. And it will not always make sense. There are times where he will invite you into ways of relating to other people, towards yourself, towards your finances, towards your time, towards your energy, and you'll go, but I don't have enough. And that doesn't seem possible. And no, you don't understand who I am and the limitations that I have. And Jesus will say, I get all that. Would you just trust me that I am the way to everything that you have been called into? Because here's the thing, his ways will always lead to life because he is the way. I was thinking about 10 years ago when we were here at the Fox Theater. And I I used to stand on this stage in 2013 (laughs) and look up at this balcony in this room and dream of just a crowd of people. I mean, that used to be like, someday we're going to have a crowd of people here. Someday we're going to have like two services and a crowd of people here. 
And, and it's, I mean, that would be great, don't get me wrong. But as I look to the next decade of my life and what I want my life to count for and what I believe Jesus is calling us into is just to say that I know the way. Not like at a cognitive level, not like, oh yeah, that makes sense, I know the way, but that with every fiber of my being, I could say, I know the way to life. And I know the way to the Father. And that I am surrounded by people who are equally following the way to the life and the Father. And to be a room in a room filled with people passionately pursuing the way. That we would be those who apprentice this way together. That, that, that we would not be just interested in, in what do I need to know and how can I be a good person and, and what can I release and, and how much do I need to give and how much do I, I not give and, and what's the bare minimum, but just show me the way. Because what's most important is life and knowing the Father. And I will give up everything else for that. I have so much hope for the future of our community and this movement once known as the people of the way, today known as the church. See, the, peop the future of the church does not belong to those who know the religion. The future of the church and the movement of Jesus belongs to those who know the way and are willing to practically and passionately attach themselves to him with everything inside of them and to not look back and to give everything in pursuit of that. And so we're gonna spend the beginning of 2023 examining what it means to be people of the way, looking at the ways we become fully human, connected to Jesus, the practices and the ways that we implement in our life that Jesus has handed to us to move towards this space. What does it mean to move from a people who simply know about God to those who can passionately walk into any space, any home, any workplace, any community, any circumstance and say, oh, it's all right. I know the way to life. And that we bring that everywhere we go because we are the people of the way. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that that you, you are, are so simple and yet so complex in your invitation to us. That, that you are calling us even as we step into this space, this new season of just saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. If you follow me, you'll have the Father. Would you teach us once again the rhythms of what it means to be human as we become people of the way? May, may we passionately, passionately pursue what it looks like to follow you. And Jesus, would you, would you remind us of what it means to be human? And this morning, if you're here, and maybe you're online joining us, I know there's a lot of new people online joining us, and you have not yet connected to Jesus, maybe you're listening to this, I don't, I don't know what this way is. It is just you connecting to Jesus and saying, like, I'm willing to be all in. I'm up for life. I'm up for God. I don't know what that looks like. And if Jesus is the way, I'm in. And I'm gonna invite you, if that's you, 
right now, just to, if you're here live, you can just look up at me. If you're online, you can just type in that chat box, Jesus, we'll know exactly what you're talking about. You can click on that link that says, today I choose to follow Jesus. But if that's you this morning, I want you just to pray this simple prayer. They're not magic words. They're just connecting to God. Just say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I know that I am broken and that you died and you came back to life so that I could fully live. I give you everything. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.